Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, episode number 1529. So, as promised yesterday, I've got a little bit of a longer episode for you today. I interviewed Bethany Lucina, who is an associate professor of political science at the University of Rochester, about her article on the Washington Post's website in their Monkey Cage blog, looking at the folks who are not having as good a time with Star Wars right now as as most of the rest of the folks are. In particular, people are having challenges with the additional diversity that's being brought into Star Wars movies and so forth. And also things that have gone on with uh, Kelly Marie Tran being harassed and those sorts of things. And so she did an analysis of Twitter um, mentions, feedbacks, replies, and activity. And we're going to talk about all of that and about what it can mean for you and I as your quote-unquote average Star Wars fans. I should tell you that in the interview that right around the 26-minute mark, we have a bit of a video freeze situation. So um, I'm still moving around on my end, but Bethany is not moving on her end. So when you see that freeze, just know that that's just what happened and that nothing is going wrong on the playback side of things. It just happened to be that it froze on the recording end. So with that said, um, I'm going to take a quick break early in the podcast to have a little note from our friends at Nissan, and then we will jump right into our interview with Bethany Lucina, the Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Rochester. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Have you ever wanted to take a land speeder for a spin or maybe even the Millennium Falcon itself? Well, here's the next best thing. You can make your own custom Solo A Star Wars Story inspired Nissan with the best in Galaxy customizer. Just go to SW7x7.com custom to customize and share your own Star Wars inspired vehicle. And don't forget, Solo A Star Wars Story is coming home on digital September 14th, Blu-ray September 25th, and new on 4K Ultra HD as well. Bethany Lucina, thank you so much for joining me on Star Wars 7x7. Thank you for having me, Alan. Absolutely. So I want to talk to you about the article that appeared on the Monkey Cage blog on the Washington Post. But before we get to that, uh, I want to know a little bit about you and your background with Star Wars. So would you tell me a little bit about uh, your relationship with Star Wars, your experience with it, and you know all that good stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's you know a multi- generational thing for me. I watched it as a kid and uh, on our trusty VHS tapes and um, <laughs> I show it to my kids. And there have been periods where I've been more interested and less interested and you know, movies I've liked more and less. Um, and I sort of move towards, oh, I really want to study this when um, the political backlash against The Last Jedi really got going. Wow, there's, there's something remarkable happening here. Got it. So I think that actually goes right into what I wanted to ask you next, which is just what necessarily inspired you to take on this particular topic. One of the things that you referenced in some of the background material is looking at the you know political activity around the 2016 presidential election and also the activity around the Brexit situation in Great Britain. So, you know, how did you decide that, uh -huh. hey, you know, this should be applied to Star Wars as well, presumably because yeah. of the Last Jedi conflicts? Yeah, I was... Uh... I'm very interested in the way pop culture seems to be 
uh, you know, routinely politicized these days, you know, whether it's the NFL or um, Laura Croft uh, video game or or what have you. This has become a signature issue for um, you know, a small group, particularly right wing politicians. Um, and this has been percolating along as something I, I was interested in. And then when Kelly Marie Tran um, quit Instagram, um, and then when Andy Gutierrez, who's another Lucasfilm employee, got kind of targeted on Twitter, the debate that was getting rehashed is, you know, look, everybody gets harassed on social media. Nobody really has it any worse or better. Um, and there were people uh, talking about, you know, I, I feel like I'm being kind of gaslit here. Like I feel like I'm targeted by commenters, but um, at the same time, I can tell that yes, dudes also get mean mentions. So uh, I, I can't, I can't say for certain people are being worse to me and seems like. Here's something that, here's a question we could clearly answer. Do people talk to women differently than men? Do people talk about Kelly Marie Tran differently than they talk about the rest of Star Wars? Um, that's a knowable thing. <laughs> and the results that you came up with are definitely fascinating. And for me, at least, one of the lines in your article talks about how it's you know difficult for men to have an accurate perspective about this because, you know, they're stuck in their own perspective. And so, you know, what men necessarily see in their reactions is going to be different from what women are seeing in their reactions. So we need the kinds of studies and data analysis like the kind that you performed to be able to get something of a more objective look at the subject, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and women can fall prey to this too. Uh, the, the sort of stereotype of, you know, uh, well, that lady's just being a little bit hysterical about this. It probably isn't so bad. Mm. Um, that can creep in. And then I think the extra danger for, for men is to just kind of extrapolate from their own experience and say, well, People do bother me on Twitter, so I'm not sure that this is really about sex. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about the results in terms of both how the reactions to The Last Jedi were and also how the reactions to Kelly Marie Tran were specifically and also to Andy Gutierrez for that matter? So I used... A computer algorithm that uh, is designed by people at Cornell um, to one of them measures offensive language, which is basically profanity, and the other uh, measures what they call hate speech. Um, you might think of it as more sort of inflammatory language. Um, the way these algorithms work is pretty um, subtle. They basically uh, give the computer a bunch of text that they've already flagged as this is offensive, this isn't. 
and ask the computer to come up with a model that can guess the right answers once they've given the computer the right answers. And because that's the way these are done, um, it's, it can be pretty subtle and a little baffling at times to figure out what exactly triggers the algorithm. Um, but you know, my big concern was, I don't want to call something hate speech if it's not hate speech. So I did go through and read everything that the computer said was hate speech and took it out if it was clearly like, no, that's not what the person meant. Um, and that was thousands of tweets that you analyzed for the study, right? Um, yes, although, um, you know, since hate speech is relatively rare, it's, it wasn't wasn't that much worse than wasting an hour on Twitter regularly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Got it. And so did you find that it was more, more Oh yeah. Offensive? You asked me to uh, discuss the results, not, not just what right. I did. No, that's all right. Um, so people use, uh, I think, uh, twice as much offensive language when they talk about Rose Tico slash Kelly Marie Tran compared to when they talk about the rest of Star Wars. Um, they use more hate speech. Um, female podcasters, uh, I looked not at sort of what they post, but the mentions they're getting, um, either replies or when they're tagged in a post, um, those mentions are more likely to contain hate speech than, than male podcasters um, mentions. And the uh, disparity isn't caused just by, well, people like to criticize Rose Tico, whereas they're very positive about the rest of um, Star Wars. You can go in and say, okay, I'm going to look at only tweets where people are complaining about something. Um, and even there, there's this disparity. People complain about Rose Tico using hate speech and offensive language in a way they don't complain about, well, everything else that Star Wars fans complain about. Would you say um, that that's because, for lack of a better way of putting it, it's a more precise target, if you will? I mean, if you're talking about Star Wars in general, it's sort of an undifferentiated, oh, this, you know, large concept of this story, this franchise, this, you know, corporate entity or whatever, versus mm -hmm. Kelly Marie Tran being, you know, a very specific representation of the idea that some people have difficulty adapting to or dealing with? Yeah, so most of the tweets are, uh, well, I think what's telling is it is easier for people to complain about something in particular than just the Amorphous franchise. Um, but it's telling that when people want to be complaining about the you know first woman of color to have a leading role in Star Wars, uh, they consciously or unconsciously go right to um, saying things that they maybe wouldn't say uh, when they want to complain about something else, very specific, like General Hux. Mm -hmm. Got it. So, I mean, what you know, what does this, you know, mean for us as Star Wars fans in general? I mean, one of the things that, 
you know, I thought was interesting also was that you made a point of flagging the fact that this is not a bot situation, you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to what happened with the election or with Brexit or anything like that. But, you know, what does this mean for, you know, the rest of Star Wars fans realizing that, you know, there is a segment of, you know, a Star Wars viewing audience that is, you know, this virulent I'm, mm -hmm. I'm still, you know, I'm even resistant to a label them as fans and b, you know, use a word like virulent to define these folks because ultimately, I guess they are human beings and there are difficulties in what they're experiencing. And I feel like there is some pain that they're experiencing. I think JJ Abrams yeah. did the best when he talked, he mentioned something and I'm going to misquote it, but the paraphrasing of it is that um, when you have been in a space of privilege, the movement to equality can feel like oppression. And yeah. I feel like that, you know, it was a situation that might be happening here as well. Yeah. And the other aspect, of course, is uh, there are lots of reasons to dislike anything. And it gets tiresome to be constantly put on the defensive about, do you dislike Star Wars for the wrong reasons? Um, the, in terms of how fans should think about it, what, what happened with Rose Tico is, is pretty closely tied to uh, specific like online entrepreneurs making hating Rose Tico a part of their brand. Um, and there's just sort of no question it's tied into uh kind of a larger critique of don't like how lefty and diversity-ish um, popular culture is getting. And I think it makes sense to push back against that. Um, it is a minority view um, and you know, people should feel comfortable about that. What I think people can probably do more about themselves is thinking about the way different kinds of fans are treated. So um, like, for example, if my thing is to go around Twitter and angrily denounce people who uh, like uh, choices of white male directors when really shouldn't they be picking a director who's not a white male. Um, and yeah, that's that's something that's kind of in line with my preferences as a person. Um, it's left wing, etc. But that doesn't mean I can't be a jerk about it. And if I go around and I just rip into female fans, uh, discount what they're saying and don't listen and that sort of thing in a way I wouldn't with a male fan, um, that is a part of what makes people feel defensive and on edge and dislike a fandom. Um, you know, maybe even in a bigger way than the people who are out there saying truly outrageous things. Um, mm -hmm. And and that's that kind of kind of bias in the way you treat people is is not limited to men, right? Women do this all the time. Uh, too. Um, it's, it's just a part of being socialized. And so uh, people can 
try to think whether they might be uh, doing this a little too. And be a little bit more reflective about their experience yeah. and what they do. Yeah, I think that's all anybody can do. Right? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned another uh, useful point too, which is the fact that this is a minority view. And I think social media exacerbates this to some degree. And I think mainstream media has kind of used this as a very clickbaitable topic and possibly made it seem a lot larger than it is. But one thing that you mentioned that I don't think uh, I read about in the article or the supporting material is that there's an influencer angle to this as well, or a dimension to it where um, certain people within the social media realm who have influence, whether it's on social or whether they've cultivated it through other channels, may be helping to stir this pot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, so you, you know, what's his name? Is it John Paul Watson or Paul John Watson, the prison planet guy who made the last Jedi with no women in it? Like, doing outrageous um, things to uh, create a thousand clickbait articles is, yeah, that's, that's his whole livelihood. There's, there's nothing's going to stop him. Right. Um, and sometimes I think, I think, I think it is a bit of a two way street. So there's, a lot of information suggesting that um, Twitter users are overwhelmingly on the left. And there's a kind of phenomenon where someone says something just totally ridiculous. And then people spend the sort of rest of the day smacking this person down and sort of like high-fiving each other for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, a good SmackDown is so, so delicious, but um, it's not, uh, it's, I, I think the the real, um, you know, it keeps everybody concentrated just on, um, you know, this one very extreme set of grievances, uh, like, how can there be a woman Jedi, that sort of thing, um, which makes people who have other grievances uh, feel like they can't express them and makes people who like the movie uh, suspicious of criticism. And, you know, it's uh, amplification you know, is, is a two-way problem. Okay. So for for our listeners here and for this particular podcast, like one of the you know the big mantras of Star Wars 7x7 has been to deliver a daily dose of joy for Star Wars fans. And so for our listeners and for anybody else who happens to be joining us for this who hasn't listened before, um, what would you recommend for people who, you know, if you're coming across hate speech, if you're seeing it, um, you know, it's difficult to exist in the echo chamber and, you know, like, as you said, sometimes joining in the SmackDown is rather delicious, but really, you know, sometimes you just don't want to be a part of it. You would rather just try to elevate the conversation or, or simply just defend someone like how can, you know, how can we as, you know, average people not necessarily getting into this conflict help support 
people who might be being bullied by hate mm-hmm. speech online and help them to, you know, protect their particular variety of Star Wars joy, whatever that may be. Right. Um, if something, uh, if someone says something truly extreme, of course, you should report it to the platform, even though they're not great about that. Um, and I, I, absolutely remember, uh, recommend muting and blocking. And, uh, if you're, uh, offering supportive comments, that's, that's a good thing. Um, I, 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 I am pretty ambivalent about social media, so mm-hmm. I may not be the best person to know uh, how to fix this, but... Um, well, may I throw may something out at you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, because you mentioned the word, you know, ambivalent, and that's that's a word that I have kind of carried around with me a little bit as well. And particularly in terms of this, we've talked about... Uh, the the backlash to the Last Jedi and to Kelly Kelly Marie Tran. I don't know why I'm having trouble <laughs> wrapping my tongue around that name today, but um, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast here, and I've gotten to the point where I've just decided that I didn't want to talk about it anymore because I just I didn't want to give it the airspace anymore. And there have been you know flame wars that have happened on Twitter that. I've decided not to get in the middle of because I just, you know, not that I don't have a certain opinion about things, but I just did not want to get in the middle of it because I've just kind of had enough about it. And yet at the same time, because I have a position in the space, you know, as small as it might be, but it is definitely a position in the space. I almost feel like that that creates a certain responsibility for me to um, be vocal about an opinion or a position and to get involved in it. And so, you know, that's, you know, but there's that, but the ambivalence of whether I should get involved is, is part of it too. And it, it seems like yeah. you have a similar kind of, of situation. I think are you're actually relatively new to Twitter yourself, right? I tweeted for the first time yesterday. Ha, congratulations. Why? Thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, I've, to do the research, you have to make Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. So I have like all these dead accounts just floating out there. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, first tweet. Um, and I don't know, so the only way I really know how to answer this question is, uh, so my, my brother-in-law does not like Disney era Star Wars. And I really wanted to find out why he's a big fan of the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he told me was, was really very poignant, which is, look, those stories meant a lot to me when I was growing up and I want to share them with my daughter, but realistically, how am I going to compete with Disney and its production values and, the story of Luke Skywalker that actually has Mark Hamill in it. And like, that's something I wanted to share that, that is, is, you know, getting pushed aside a little. And 
to some extent, hey, people who like what Lucasfilm is doing, uh, can afford to be a little bit generous with people who are unhappy about it since they're the ones getting what they want. Um, and, and so, uh, I don't want to sort of, there, like, there are people on social media who like their life is trolling and there's no reason to be sympathetic with them. But, uh, you know, if you're at all on the bubble, it, it's probably worth being generous or assuming uh, you know, the person who has different views than you has got some reason that isn't terrible. Mm -hmm. I think actually that's a rather apt metaphor for it. The idea of being pushed aside and, you know, the EU being a representation of that, having that be something that was turned into, oh no, this is not the official Star Wars story anymore. And I, I personally was very lucky that I stopped at the EU because I just couldn't keep up with it originally. And so I, there was, was a lot of it. There was, and some of it was really awesome. And from what I gather, some of it was really awful <laughs> too, like most of everything. But I mean, it seems like that that's potentially what might be happening with this segment of the population where they feel that, not only you know what they liked was being pushed aside but that it's almost you know a personal identification it's not just oh the stories i like were being pushed aside but who i am as a person is being pushed aside as a result because they have their identity very deeply invested in yeah. that content yeah i mean it's 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 kind of strange to be deeply invested in a story that's owned by a for-profit corporation because <laughs> you know in the end we're all going to be pushed aside in favor of whatever sells the next wave of toys mm -hmm. so that may be that may be too dark if you want to cut that out you can but, <laughs> uh, you know uh, it's quite honestly i'd like to keep it in if you're okay with okay. it okay but if Absolutely. you're okay all right um, but if you at all I, I have think, any doubts about that, then I will cut it. No, I'm, I, I don't mind. Okay. I just, um, academics who study this have this term transformative fandom, mm -hmm. which is, um, the decision to create something that's kind of an homage to the thing you love. And, That, that would be sort of, I think in the ideal world, every time Lucasfilm does something you're not thrilled about, you'd try to show the other fans what you wanted to see in a nice way. As opposed to in a, in a not nice way, like the, um, the prison planet, I think it was that you yes, suggested. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, uh, although I didn't watch it, maybe it is, you know, fantastic. 
Mm-hmm. Just don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and think, mm, maybe yeah, it's no, not. But... Can't. Well, um... With a name like Prison Planet, it doesn't exactly strike you as being, you know, hearts and flowers and sunbeams and rainbows and whatnot. Yeah, no, um, he's, you know, one of these, these kind of like incel guys. Uh, it's not real positive on the state of the world. Mm-hmm. Understood. So then uh, do you happen to have an example of what would be uh, a more positive transformational type of element? Well, Star Wars fans have always been amazing at this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, there's... Uh, reams of fan videos and fan fiction and you know there's there's the world of the art and um and even things that you know are kind of i don't know like uh deep literary criticism where you know people write thesis length analysis of why why something is terrible (laughs) um it is a creative process um uh, I, I guess like the, the the phantom edit of the the prequels. Um, so I think that's probably the part of the fandom that has the most fun mm-hmm. and podcasters. Um, but. Uh, I think those would qualify pretty well. And yeah, you're right. The The amount of that kind of material is enormous compared to what else exists. And I think it also reinforces a particular point that you made as well, that just to be critical of something like The Last Jedi is not to be you know, offensive or, you know, to be filled with hate language that it doesn't follow that just because you don't like the last Jedi, that you are necessarily racist or sexist or, you know, otherwise, you know, ist derogatory degrading in a particular manner. No, I, uh, it, that, I mean, that would be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, There's, I mean, for one thing, it's a very dense movie. There's all kinds of things that uh, might have rubbed you the wrong way. And it's meant to be, I mean, I think he was going for provocation too, so. Mm -hmm. So um, is there anything else before we go that you would like to share with our listeners? I don't think so. Other than the fact that um, I will be sharing in our show notes the link to the blog post on the Monkey Cage blog on the Washington Post and also to the Google document that has the further information on the data, which is, I don't know, personally for me, it's just as compelling, (laughs) if not more so. Not everybody, you know, will Mm -hmm. enjoy that cup of tea, but that's, you know, not a reflection on it. That's just, you know, how you know, how deep you want to get into the data behind the data, as it were. I guess there, there was a part of the article that that there wasn't space for um, on uh, what trying to figure out if solo did any worse in conservative media markets. Mm. And uh, 
tweeted at you. I think that would be up your alley. Um, it's the same sort of data kind of thing um, if you're interested. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely be interested in that. Um, yeah, we and we actually did sort of exhaustive stuff on the podcast also about whether um, you know, it was possible that the backlash over The Last Jedi was significantly financially uh, affecting the solo box office. And it, it seemed to me at least that it wasn't necessarily the case that there were a lot of other reasons why it wouldn't, you know, why there were a lot of other reasons that would be more financially significant. But I mean, is that your sense of the situation as well? Uh, yeah. So, um, ideally, right. You know where they sold tickets. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but uh, the data I looked at was Google searches for solo mm -hmm. um, and how those broke down by media market. And I mean, the, the bad news for Lucasfilm is that interest online and solo was way down, but it seems to have been pretty uniform. It's not like it was only down in more conservative media markets. Um, ah, okay. And so the... The, I, people being turned off of the film because of Lucasfilm's politics doesn't seem all that plausible to me. Um, but you know, that does leave open all those other things. Like uh, there must be something. Mm -hmm. Right. Or many somethings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, well, Disney, you know, at this point is competing against itself with just all those movies. But that's, that's right. <laughs> that's their problem. Right. Exactly. It's probably a good problem for them to have. Well, Bethany, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with me and to uh, help give some more background to our listeners for this particular topic. And uh, I believe I said this already, but in case I didn't, I will definitely include the link to your article and the background data in the show notes. And I look forward to seeing more about the, the solo analysis as well. So again, Bethany Lucina, thank you so much for taking the time and for joining me on Star Wars 7x7. Thanks for inviting me. Podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.